Hi, this is Stephen Bryant, and I want to welcome you to episode 15 of the RelativityChallenge.com podcast. In this episode, we're going to actually take a look at part four of our four-part series on moving systems. And today, we're going to look at special relativity. For those of you who've already watched episodes one through three, I think you'll be well prepared for this episode because we're going to actually tie some of the concepts of a complete coordinate system and an incomplete coordinate system together. For those of you who have discovered this episode first, I'm going to ask that you uh, go back and listen or watch those first few episodes before uh, the concepts of this one will make complete sense because, again, we're going to be putting together pieces from those earlier shows. So one of the first things I want to do in this show is just talk to you about our key components. I want to reintroduce them. So again, we have three elements that make up our system. We have a reference or stationary system, which is our ground or road. We have our moving system, which is the the bus. We have our moving object, which is the person. And in an incomplete coordinate system or a complete coordinate system, our goal is to have the person oscillate between the front and the back of the moving system. Uh, so between the front and the back of the bus. And the difference is, in an incomplete coordinate system, the person does that by walking on the ground. And in a complete coordinate system, the person does that by walking on the bus. Those are the key differences. In a complete coordinate system or an incomplete coordinate system, the bus can go faster than the person. A key distinction is, however, in an incomplete coordinate system, if the bus matches or exceeds the speed of the person, the person's not able to oscillate, which is what we've asked him to do. The bus can go faster, the person just can't do what we've asked him to do. And in a complete coordinate system, uh, the person's able to do what we've asked him to do, uh, regardless of the velocity of the bus. So let's take a look at what is special relativity. In order to do that, what I'm going to do today is walk you through an approach that parallels what I believe um, are the central elements of Einstein's derivation. So for this, we have to travel back to a time before relativity, and we have to ask ourselves, what are the building blocks that Einstein used to conclude relativity? So in other words, he did not say, well, some, some, there's something moving on this moving system, and therefore there is relativity. He went through a process, came up with some math, drew some interesting conclusions, and uh, some of those conclusions are relativity. Some of those other conclusions are the implications associated with relativity. And we're going to talk about all of those today. So first off, let's talk about what relativity is. For those of you who understand what a complete coordinate system is and an incomplete coordinate system, I'm going to talk in those terms. First off, relativity has the same behaviors as a complete coordinate system. In other words, the person must reach the front of the bus. The amount of time to reach the front of the bus is going to be the same as when the person was stationary. Um, so again, we can watch that. So the person takes 10 seconds to get to the front of the bus and 10 seconds to get to the back of the bus. So we have two equal parts at the halfway spot. He is at the front of the bus and he will be able to do that regardless of the velocity of the bus. In this particular case, it takes 10 seconds to get to the front. 
and if we go in the other direction, it takes 10 seconds to get to the back. And if we were to do one complete oscillation, again, it's going to take him 10 seconds. We could do this regardless of the velocity of the bus. Now, I have the bus going slightly less than the speed of the person. It would still work if the, per if the bus is going at the person's speed or greater. I just run out of screen real estate. But for anyone who's been on any type of vehicles, a plane, a, a train, a ship, anything that's going faster than you might be able to run or to walk, you may have experienced this if you've had to walk the cabin, for example, or an aisle. So those key behaviors drop down to special relativity. So if you can remember those behaviors of a complete coordinate system, those behaviors are also associated with special relativity. Now we are going to make a couple of changes when we when we get done with special relativity and I'll tell you what those are. Now the second part that we have to look at is the movement of the person, the oscillating person, when he is on the outside of the bus. So uh, in this case, when the bus is moving, it takes him a little longer to get to the front of the bus. Remember, it was 10 seconds when it was stationary. It took him 17. It took him round trip 20 seconds when it was stationary. Now it took him uh, 24. And as you'll recall, there's a long line and a short line associated with the, the movement. So we have a long line, uh, which is 17, and a short line that is 24. So now, let's look at what Einstein has done with relativity. Again, remember, we have the behaviors of a complete coordinate system, and we have the math of an incomplete coordinate system. So what we actually have is a belief that the person is in the bus, but his motion is actually governed by the, the reference system, by the ground. And what we get here is basically a system that uh, the person believes he's on the bus, but when he oscillates and he walks back and forth, he's actually doing so with respect to the ground. Now, why is this important? This is very important because uh, in episode two, you'll recall I asked a question, uh, which is, where is he at the halfway mark? So since we know the total for him to do this journey is a count of 24, we can ask ourselves, where is he at 12? And let's take a look. And I'm going to try and stop this at 12. And we can see here that he has not quite reached the front of the bus at 12. He has completed half of his total distance and half the total time, but he's not at the front of the bus yet. Now, this is where things get interesting, because remember, conceptually we said in a complete coordinate system, when he reached the halfway mark, he was at the front of the bus. So if you did not draw this picture, or you did not have the concepts of two different types of coordinate system, when he's reached the halfway mark, he is at the front of the bus. This is a special distinction between the model of complete and incomplete coordinate systems and Einstein's theory of relativity. Because according to Einstein's model, when he's reached the halfway mark, he's at the front of the bus. Now, why is this important? Because the length of the bus was x prime, and we know when the bus was stationary, it took to account of 10 to get to the front of the bus. Hmm, 
Well, if that was the case when the bus was stationary, and in a complete coordinate system we say the behaviors are the same regardless of whether the bus was moving or not, then clearly this what not the math would not hold true for special relativity. Well, special relativity has an answer for that. And the answer is called time dilation and length contraction. So when people talk about those terms, they're actually talking about truing up the math so that from the perspective of the moving system, he's at the front of the bus and has traveled a distance of x prime, and he's at the front of the bus and, ha and it has taken him a total count of 10 to get there. So when people talk about having one type of coordinate system, as is the case for special relativity, and you take the behaviors of a complete coordinate system and you marry that with the mathematics of an incomplete coordinate system, you end up with a model such as Einstein's model of special relativity and its implications such as time dilation, length contraction, and all of the paradoxes that go along with it. So this in a nutshell is how you can view Einstein's theory of relativity and it all stems from the fact that there is one type of coordinate system whereas in my model there are two and if you accept that there's two you can keep the math but you don't have the same constraints that you have with special relativity. Now there is another implication that's also interesting for us to talk about and that is with respect to SRT. Remember the person must be able to reach the front of the bus and go back to the back of the bus and perform that oscillation. But his behavior is that of an, of an incomplete coordinate system, which you'll recall that if the bus goes faster or matches the speed of the person, he's not going to be able to oscillate. So this has the effect of us limiting the velocity of the bus to go no faster than the person can travel. In other words, uh, the person can travel in this case at a, at a value of 2. The bus can be any value less than 2. It cannot equal or exceed 2, or the person cannot do what we want him to do. Mathematically, you get some interesting things in the denominator. If your denominator has uh, no radical in it, then at 0 you get an undefined, or, or when it matches the person's velocity, you get an undefined value. And if it exceeds it, you get a negative value in the denominator. Um, if the bus velocity is greater than that of the person and you have some sort of radical or square root in, in the denominator, then again, at zero, at when, when the bus's velocity uh, matches, you get uh, zero or undefined because you're dividing by zero. And if it's uh, greater than the person's velocity, you actually get a complex number. But it all stems from the fact that we've said the person has to be able to oscillate and there's just implications of that math with an incomplete coordinate system. Now, what does this mean for relativity? I'm gonna generalize back to relativity now. Now, Einstein does talk about moving systems. And he talks about them in his book, in his relativity book, he talks about a train and gives us an example there. Instead of a person who's traveling at a velocity of two, he uses a ray of light traveling at a velocity of 300 million meters per second. You can work out the math regardless of whether it's a person moving at a velocity of two and a bus or a ray of light moving at 300 million meters per second and a bus 
or any type of a vehicle. Um, the math and the equations will work out the same. So I present you with this type of model in this four-part series because I think it's something that most people can grab onto and conceptualize and almost go do the experiment yourself if you know any, any willing bus drivers. Um, but do keep in mind that the math is the same regardless of where, whether we're talking about a person in a bus or a ray of light and a moving coordinate system. Now in past episodes, we've talked about how the model of complete and incomplete coordinate system does yield some better results, uh, mathematical results, than special relativity. Um, I'm not going to go into that today. I just want to make sure that people have that understanding of a complete coordinate system, an incomplete coordinate system, and special relativity and how it's associated with my model. Hopefully today we've been able to do that. I, I definitely welcome your feedback and your questions. Uh, so this concludes part four of our four-part look at moving systems. As always, I look forward to your feedback and hope that you'll continue to refer your friends and colleagues over to the site. This episode is copyright 2008 by Stephen Bryant and RelativityChallenge.com. Until next time, I hope you're well. Bye-bye.